Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business Podcast, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion to drive growth, profits, and loyalty. Today's guest is Justin Foster. He is the co-founder of Root and River, author of at least two books. One of them is this gem, Rooting Up. You see my notes. <laughs> and uh, also one of the leaders in intrinsic branding. Um, so honored and excited to have Justin here with me today. When I first decided to, to do this podcast, I knew that Justin had to be on it. He's such a gem and helps people um, not only does he really truly live through his mission and vision with his business and his life, but also helps other business owners and leaders and solopreneurs find and discover their internal mission and bring it into the world. And so uh, he's a perfect guest for this podcast. Thank you for being here, Justin. Thank you. And I, I just wanted to say, as we were thinking, I was thinking about our time together today and thinking about how much has changed in the world since we scheduled it. Mm -hmm. And the thought that immediately came to me um, was the world needs you, you in particular, more than ever. Like you're, you're, you have this sort of uh, practical optimism about you and this beautiful energy. And that's what we need right now. Um, you're a truth teller and we need that right now. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I think the, the same goes that I feel like right now we need to showcase those leaders who are doing a fabulous job of leading so that others can learn from them. So um, I think it's just a good time for all of this. My first question to you uh, is kind of take us back before Root and River. Um, who were you? What brought you onto this journey and, and onto the path? where you are now? Yeah, you know, I'm at, I'll be 50 in October, so this answer gets longer every time I'm asked, so I'll, I'll try to keep it compact around a couple of like key moments in my journey. And one was I, would, I grew up in, on a cattle ranch in Eastern Oregon. And so growing up around agriculture, growing up in that environment was um, very shaping. And I still sort of see the world through the lens of, you know, that work ethic of ranching and farming. Um, it was uh, kind of a, a, a escape uh, from a uh, troubled home life. And, um, and so I spent, um, I got married really young. I was 18, Elena was 19. And we, we, and we just tried to, we didn't really know what we were doing. We had, we had Logan and we didn't know what we were doing there. And I was trying to make it. I didn't, I didn't uh, finish college. And so I just, everything was a struggle. Um, for many years and there were little moments of like everything was you know um, okay um, but in 2003 I uh, was the head of sales for a software company in, in Idaho in Boise Idaho and um, we we got acquired um, the parent company sold us and so myself and three of the other guys from the company that were on the sales and either sales or marketing teams we formed our first business and that was, that was that that's what I've always done in my life. I've always been like, okay, what's the next thing I'm going to do? What's mm -hmm. the next thing I'm going to do? And, and so that was the next thing I wanted to do. Like I had been an entrepreneur in my soul my whole life, but I was now doing it. Mm -hmm. And it was a struggle. Uh, that business went under and it was good. Another one, yada, yada. About six years ago, I met my now business partner and creative partner, Emily Sikorsi at a conference. And it was uh, in working with her, she brought me into her company where she was the head of uh, corporate communications for a behavioral science company, brought me in. We worked on some projects externally together. And it was in that process that I, I found in Root and River that there is no next thing I'm going to do right now. And it's the first oh. time I've ever felt that way. Like yeah. this work that we're doing, especially now in this crisis where it's not about the external brand, it's about the soul. Exactly. It's about the truth. It's about, um, it's about um, resilience. It's about these things. And, um, and so we've, yeah, so we've, we've been running Root and River together for um, just coming up on just over five years. And um, it's fun. It's um, fulfilling. Um, 
it's, you know, like anything else with adulting, it has its moments where you're like, you know, I think I'm going to go live in a cabin in Montana, but uh, generally speaking, it's a, it's a joy. So tell us a little bit about how you decided to go into partnership with Emily. She's wonderful. I love her. I love, I think you guys balance each other out very, very well in the way that you think. But I know going into partnership with someone is a really difficult decision or can be. It sounds like maybe you guys have a synchronistic, um, you know, way of thinking. But tell us about how you decided to do that. Is it 50-50 partnership? What that looks like now? Yeah, so I was I was doing freelance essentially brand strategy. I was a contract CMO. I would come in and do like I did with Emily's company. I'd come in and and help them recalibrate their brand and I'd leave. And um, but I just was very intrigued by her mind um, and her spirit, and um, we just worked well together. It's it's like uh, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, which is a dated. Mm-hmm duo but you know they weren't ever a couple in the stream islands in the stream <laughs> yeah, written by barry gibb from the bgs by the way yeah. uh anyway but that do- that 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 uh dolly and kenny or john and paul you know like there was a, a synchronicity there but it was very it is to this day very yin and yang though there's there's um sometimes she's the chaos and sometimes i'm the chaos sometimes she's the order sometimes i'm the order and the main thing for us is we just don't get to be chaos at the same time or be order at the same time. We have to, you know, let that be what it is. And there was a couple of things though. I, I was specifically looking for a female business partner. I kind of had this sense coming into like, like it's the sort of the end of the, the end of the era with, of where everyone looks like me, a middle-aged white guy, you know, like, and um, I wanted to partner with, I think we're entering into a sort of an age of sort of not just female empowerment, but where feminine energy is so essential in life and business right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and so that was a, that was part of that and in her, her amazing mind too. Um, and you know, there's a lot of reasons we shouldn't work. Like we don't live in the same city. She's it's sort of city mouse, country mouse, you know, like, She's well-educated and comes from a nice family background and um, we're, we're opposite gen, you know, male, female gender, but we're not, we're not, it's not, um, it's not that kind of partnership. Mm -hmm. So all these various moving parts that would normally uh, maybe take you down actually just end up being crucibles of improvement for us and crucibles of growth. And um, I trust her 100% and there are elements about Emily that I admired the first day I met her that she still has to today, but then there's a million other things that I know about her um, and her, her brilliance and her kindness and her care for others and her creative mind that are, I just, I'm in kind of an awe of her every day. Mm, that's beautiful. So like you mentioned, she lives in a different state. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about the challenges of that in growing and building a business, especially you guys do a lot of um, uh, workshops and face-to-face, uh, you know, interaction with your clients. So how how have you dealt with that over the years? Well, so a couple things there. One is we we have regular check-ins. We have a weekly partner sync that we do on Zoom, where we just talk about our partnership more than anything. And then when we're working with clients up until this crisis hit. Um, we always did pretty much all of our work with our clients. That was the heavy lifting work, what we call a root session live in person. Mm-hmm. So either I went to Phoenix or she came, came to Austin and it was about 50, 50 and, um, back and forth there. And then occasionally we would get clients that were outside of the area, like Iowa or, um, California or something. And we would go to them, but, uh, generally speaking, people, we, we did our work in Phoenix. We do our work in Phoenix or Austin. And so we maximize that time as when we can. And when we do travel, when we do travel together, if we're going someplace like outside of, um, outside of either or Phoenix or, or Austin, we, we spend time together as partners, as business partners, not just only 
live with the, you know, like we're in concert, you know. <laughs> and then finally, we, we generally do everything as a duo. We write together all of our posts. That book that you held up, Rooting Up, was co-written by us. Every post in there was co-written together. Um, we, if we're going to, if we, if both of us have been invited to a podcast, we both would be on. Um, mm -hmm. That's a normal thing too um, for us. And it's all about just, um, we are a team. We are a partnership. And, and um, so one of the ways to strengthen a partnership is just do things together. And that's what we've done very intentionally. So tell me about that process of co-writing. What does that look like for you guys? It's a, it's a challenge sometimes. Um, we're working on our second book and, you know, it's a little bit like drummer and lead guitarist, like, you know, like, you know, who sets the rhythm of the, of the writing. Uh, Emily's process is much more refined. She's a brilliant writer and has been doing it a long time. I've written two books prior to this one, but they were short and, and they're okay. They're not great. Um, but um, so our, our writing processes are different, but we've learned. And so like, if we're going to write a blog post or an article, um, we, we, the first thing we settle on is what are we passionate about? And if we don't, one of us doesn't have energy for the topic, we don't, we, we just keep going until we find the topic. We don't predetermine the topic um, generally either. Like when we sit down, we're like, okay, what are you feeling? What's catching your eye? What's, what's, what's firing you up? And then we just start writing. We open a Google Doc, we're on Zoom, and we just start writing. And um, then we stitch it together and um, come up with a pithy title. And then Emily does, um, she does wonderful sketch art. And so she always draws a custom picture for each post. That's cool. And that's how we do it. And the book's a little different than that. It's a little bit more structured, but it is, um, we, we, it's, it's based on us being in sync. So we take that time to be in sync before we start writing. So what do you do to take the time to be in sync? Well, we start off in every conversation, even if it's a partner sync or, uh, uh, uh like if we're on early before a client comes on a zoom, it was like, how are you doing? Like, how's, the, how are things going? And, uh, what are you feeling? And so it's, it's an emotional check-in, um, a mindset check-in. Um, we both, We'll say something to the other person. Um, if we feel like something's off, we'll be like, what's up? Like, what's going on? And that gives us some room to say, well, you know, I'm dealing with this or this. Or, um, and then Kat, our chief of staff, our wonderful chief of staff, and Jen, our chief of story, that dynamic goes out to our, the four of us as well. But Kat created something a few years ago called the burnout protocol. And that is any of the four of us can say to, the, uh, to one of the other people, you need to take a break because it's like a concussion protocol in sports. Um, and that's just indicative that the common denominator with us is our humanity. Mm -hmm. we're, we're humans that happen to be business partners. We're humans that happen to be in branding. We're humans that happen to be uh, creative. But underneath it all, we're humans and we need to, that's the most important part. Like I say this a lot, but the best part of my work is the people I get to do it with. Mm -hmm. And that's both Emily, that's all Emily, Kat, Jen, um, our, our, our strategic partners, um, and then of course our clients. Mm -hmm. That's great. And that's all of that is why you're not looking for the next step. Yeah, I'm, I'm, this is my home. I kind of feel like this way about Austin too. Like I don't, you know, mm -hmm. I'll visit places, but right now this feels like home. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy. We talked about that at our first meeting. I moved every year for 26 years of my life. And then I moved to Austin. I was like, hey, I'm done. <laughs> I'm good. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me about some of the obstacles that you and Emily and now your growing team um, either overcame in the beginning or have, uh, other than world pandemics, yeah. <laughs> overcome um, you know, recently that you feel like would be good to share. Yeah, the first thing is, is nobody knows they need intrinsic branding, which is what we do. We invented that term. Mm -hmm. No one really knows it on the surface. There's not searching for like, what, what we need is an intrinsic brand. <laughs> yeah. um, and so we, you know, we had to learn how to use the right language to share our ideas. This is why we've been so prolific with thought leadership and, you know, whether that's writing or speaking or 
being guests on podcasts or whatever, because we're selling a new idea, a new way to think. We're not real. We're not selling marketing services. Um, not that there's anything wrong with selling marketing services, just not what we do. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing is we had to, we, 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 we wanted to find, we have, and I think we're there now, the right balance between innovation and consistency. So okay. figure out what you're good at, but don't stop innovating. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to innovate when you don't know what you're good at. And like when you really don't know what your core, like core offerings are. So we're pretty solid around like we're we're brand coaches it's a we teach a branding practice so it's like it's like a yoga practice or martial arts or meditation it's a practice it's iterative and we specialize in messaging mission and um uh, belief systems as beneath the soil and then we above the soil for our clients it's category design brand language and brand experience or brand stories mm -hmm. and that's what we do and we don't really waver from that. We, wait, we, we adjust how we deliver it sometimes, but that took a long time to get to. Um, I would say that we didn't really get that lined out until maybe two years ago. So it was like three years of experimentation. Um, and the, the third thing that we've learned is, um, and I learned this from Emily, cause I'm, you know, I'm in the disc, I'm a high D, I'm an eight in the Enneagram. I'm, I'm kind of a lone wolf. I'm not used, I, up until Emily, I wasn't really used to, I wasn't comfortable working on it with the team, but she's been wonderful about team health and self-care and, and care for each other. And that took a while too, you know, to, to find that balance with these four people with four distinct personalities. Mm -hmm. um, and, but it's been so worth it. And there's so much love there. Like we, we end our team calls with love you. Like we yeah. say that, you know, like, and it's real and it's sincere. And w each of us, as a team, we've been through a lot together. Like there's moments where we look back at a team retreat or I was over there or somebody was over here and some moment happened and we were together. And I don't think that's an accident. And that's part of the investment that with Emily's leadership and my eventual buy-in that we do need to put team dynamic above like task or execution, which is much more kind of my wiring is around task and execution. So you have a, a small team. Um, what what do your retreats look like? You mentioned team retreat. How often do you do it? When in your journey did you decide that was a necessity and what does it look like? I think we did our first retreat uh, November of 2017. Um, it was from the book Traction by Gino Wickman that recommended doing that. We've implemented a lot of the EOS model in our business. Okay. Um, and we've been doing them on the regular about once a quarter. Sometimes it bleeds over into maybe w once every other quarter. But uh, we try to go somewhere. Like we've been to, we went, we're, the last one we did with, it was at the end of the year was in Sedona. Um, we had one planned for next month, but it likely won't happen because of current events. So we'll do it virtually. Um, and that is basically, it's two days and it's day one of complete fun and relaxation. Mm -hmm. um, and just being together. Um, and then day two is the agenda, which is a kind of a, our version of the proposed agenda in the book around, you know, essentially stop, start, continue stuff. Like what are we, what are we going to stop doing, start doing, continue doing. And um, always looking at the, as the retreats as a recalibration of what's next the business it's less about like looking in the rearview mirror at financials and all that stuff i mean we do consider that of course but it's very forward thinking and it's in its mindset and um you know we re-examine our beliefs there we re-examine our message there's no sacred cows we, we we examine everything um and it's a very collaborative like in the sense that it's not just Emily and I as owners and Kat and Jen are along for the ride. It's the four of us are a team. We be, we're like a band. So. <laughs> so how long have Kat and Jen been on the team? About three years. Uh, Jen came on first a few months before and then, and then Kat came on kind of by accident <laughs> after she observed that Emily and I needed some help. And uh, so they're, they're, they've grown, their positions have evolved. Um, they, it's been amazing. It's been so rewarding to watch them grow as professionals. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And Kat is our chief of staff, but she does so much more than that. She's really our ops person. She also handles all of our client care and she's also certified in like disc assessment. So we do and that. And then Jen started off as a, a kind of a project manager and um, you know, like a website copywriter. Now she's the chief of stories. So she's teaching story structures to our clients. And uh, it's just beautiful to see. There was a moment we had a rollout of our brand to, um, uh, of the brand strategy to our largest client a couple weeks ago in Houston. And there were parts, we specifically designed the rollout so that Kat would have a place, a thing to talk about and an exercise to do, and then Jen would. And this is our largest client by far. These is, it's a room full of, pretty much everyone in the room has a PhD or some sort of advanced degree. Mm -hmm. Like probably 80% of the people in the room. And it's a high pressure situation. And not only did I 100% trust them, they were awesome. Like yes. the way they did what they did. I mean, I knew him, I knew they were going to be awesome, but it was so cool and rewarding to see that. Well, you guys really do have such a phenomenal way of looking at the world and at, at brands that uh, I think it's, it's, it's it's exciting for you to do that and bring it to your clients every time. So it's not, I think that's probably why you feel so safe. And so, so like, this is what you want to keep doing. Cause it doesn't feel like you're trying to, you know, sell snake oil or, or get people to do something that's not in their best interest. It's really just bringing their heart out mm -hmm. into the world. Yep, exactly. In a way that they already wanted to, they just maybe had some fear or lack of clarity. Yeah, totally. Well said. And we, we don't, we're non-prescriptive. We do not give advice. We don't tell people what to do. We believe you have the answers in you. Everything we're doing is a Socratic sort of, uh, it's almost like a combination of Socratic uh, inquiry and uh, psychotherapy. <laughs> so there's a lot of inner work that is done. Um, so we're not for everybody. If um, somebody's like a quick fix, you know, funnel click funnel type person and they just you know want to get leads or whatever fine we need to have leads sure but you got to do the work first it's a practice it's not a it's not a branding is a practice it's not it's not a, a set it and forget it mm -hmm. and uh and you see in this era um kind of a death the death this, this this circumstance we find ourselves in kind of the death of um pretense now that we've long predicted like Whatever you are, you are in this world as a brand right now in a crisis. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just uh, was talking to a friend of mine. We're working on developing a leadership training, and we were talking about how this moment in time right now uh, is such a case study on leadership mm -hmm. and um, and the the way that leadership behaves and um, and either brings their family together or. Uh, you know, acts in fear or whatever is really going to shape their business mm -hmm. for the rest of their, if whether they have a business or not, right. and whether people want to continue to, to stay on that team. You know, it's like in, in times like these where people will say, I'll work for free, I'll work for half price, I'll give up my salary for this person who is a mother or whatever it may be. And it's, it's a leadership structure that kind of determines how people react and what their decisions are in those times. Yeah, totally. We, I mean, uh, crisis is a revealer of leadership traits that are sort of undervalued in a non-crisis. Mm -hmm. And it's also a revealer of people that are not really leaders. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, real leaders don't go on and talk about their poll numbers, as an example. Real leader doesn't do that. A real leader doesn't say, I'm not responsible. Um, so I think of like, I've been very influenced by Jocko Willick and Leif Babin who wrote yeah. Yeah, Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy of Leadership was, this is, this is an ownership moment. Um, if you've done the inner work, it's your time. Right, you know? Yeah, it's your time. If you've done the inner work, if you, and if you haven't done the inner work, well, you can still learn it, you can still do it, but it's gonna be obvious. Um, mm -hmm. And I wrote a post about this called How to Not Freak Out uh, on Monday. And, uh, and my point was that in every crisis, there are three groups. The first group is the ones that are delusional, like mm -hmm. the people in Florida on spring break. Then there's the ones that are full of despair, like this is the end of the world and we'll never recover. And then there's the third group, which is the group of people that don't freak out. Well, in every crisis, this is the third group that gets you through. Mm -hmm. The people that are in delusion 
or despair don't do anything except get in the way of what needs to be done often. And um, so I, you know, it's going to pinch, it's going to hurt, but man, is it going to be a, a proving like a, like a proof of like the, the end of like, especially in our world of what you and I do in, our, in marketing is it's the end of, to me, it's the end of pitch marketing mm-hmm. because nobody needs your stuff right, right. now. You have to, and that's why we, we plead with our, with everyone that we talk to, don't go dark, you know, right. don't promote, you know, cause you don't want to look crass, uh-huh. uh, but also don't go dark in the sense of keep, please keep telling your story. Don't go anywhere. I'm just taking a short break to thank one of our sponsors, 5D Show Services. 5D is a full-service trade show, display, graphics, and services company with over 30 years of experience. They partner with companies of all sizes to help plan and execute the best trade shows and events on time and on budget. I've worked with Danny at 5D for over 15 years and continue to be impressed with the level of service and quality he and his team provide. For more information on their capabilities, visit 5dshowservices.com. That's the number 5D showservices.com um, we did a client only um, uh, virtual session yesterday and one of our clients said that her mission is even more important now in this and that everybody else that was on the call because they'd all done mission work with us is part of the process so totally agreed with that like you know it's mission is a nice theory when everything is all you know hunky-dory it's the absolute like backbone of your decision making when things are in a crisis it's also the backbone of uh the decision making of everyone i don't want to say under but you know in the hierarchical structure of how corporations Mm -hmm. see people if your mission is clear, even if they don't know the mission statement that's on the wall in the hallway, but the, the heart of the mission is clear, then, then they all come together and rally around. And when they have to work from home and nobody can talk to each other, they put all their heart into it because they know the greater purpose, mm-hmm. know why they're doing it. They don't yeah. have to be old again. That's right. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of um, lip service been paid over the plate of, paid over the last few years of, you know, we're people centric and people are our best asset. Well, let's see if that's true right now. Right. That's how we know. Like it's not where it's, it's not like uh, uh, an, an internal, you know, recruiting campaign. It's like the truth. Either you are, either you love your people and you're going to do whatever you can to take care of them or you're not. Um, so yeah, this is, there's definitely a spotlight out there right now, lots of them. So um, tell us about the hardest decision that you've had to make in this business. Hmm, that's a very good question. <clears throat> they all seem sort of hard sometimes. Um, uh, I think, um, I don't know if they were hard, they were just big. So there were two that come to mind. One was early on where I had been offered um, a role as a partner in another strategy company. Um, and I was sitting with the, uh, the founders, the owners of this business, and they, they were sitting me down to offer me this, a partnership and a nice salary, and I could live in Austin and yada, yada. And I just remember saying to them, and it's kind of like, almost like this voice from outside of me said, no, I'm going to build something with Emily. Mm-hmm. And um, it was scary, and it was to walk away from that kind of stability um, so that was a big decision. It wasn't hard, but it was big. And then to start saying no to projects that we don't, that don't serve us well, don't, don't feed us. It, it, we, you know, we didn't, it, there was, it's such a, it's such an important part of survival of a business. You just got to say yes sometimes, but I, we, we wanted to be able to say no. Um, and as I answer this question, I actually do think of one that was like the biggest moment, a pivotal moment. It was in a, um, we were doing a project we didn't want to do because it paid well. And we were snowed in, in a courtyard by Marriott in New Jersey. So we, we couldn't fly out. Yeah. And business was, we were struggling. Like we were weeks away from being like, well, you know, back to freelancing and then <laughs> back to getting a, you know, a marketing corporate job. 
And we sat there and we're like, what do we do? And we agreed in that moment, we're going to double down on talking about the soul. Right. And we, 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 we crafted a new message. We updated our website. We started, we put on a warning label. We started um, saying who we are and what we believe in. And it goes to something we teach our clients now is make the world react to you. You cannot brand from a defensive posture. Right. And so in doing that, that decision eventually led to some traction and some momentum. And that is, um, even in the midst of a crisis, is, is at least moderately sustainable because of our willingness to make, take a stand and show the world who we truly are. That's fantastic. You know, every time I uh, ask that question, I find that the hardest decision led to the biggest changes and, and the, the, the biggest growth. Uh, it's where, you know, you find your biggest struggle. And this is, you know, again, we're talking about with where we are in this uh, place in time in the world and the universe, that it's, it's really the hard times that either shut you down or, or make you shine. Yeah, very well said. So would you go back and do anything differently uh, as you look back on the last, not just six years, but, um, you know, looking back through your business life and um, your adult life, I guess, when you when you started to have control of your own thoughts and actions to the extent that you do, um, what, what, is there anything that you would do differently? You know, probably not. Like if I actually had that power, probably not. But there's a lot of things that I wish I would have done differently. Um, and one or two of those that come to mind is I wish I would have started working on my, my own healing sooner. Mm. Um, I didn't really start working on my, my, my mental health, my spiritual health in, until like 2011. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I've learned, and I, I preach this wherever, whenever I can, which is if you don't love yourself, if you don't value yourself, you will let other people determine your value and it will be less than you're actually worth. Mm -hmm. And so I wish I would have done that sooner. Um, I do, I, I don't have that. It's not really regret. It's more of like a wish. Um, I, I, uh, I think that might be the only one, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't have a lot of like, there's a lot of things that was, I've had, I've had these, you know, like crisis isn't new for me, <laughs> you know, um, personal crisis in many ways, since I was, you know, I, I was born into kind of a storm and then, you know, life was hard and, and I build up some some resilience, resiliency in the process. And um, I, I would say this too, is I thought when I was um, in my early 40s, so about eight, nine years ago, I thought resilience meant being hard hearted. Mm -hmm. I thought it meant you had to shut down what your feelings. And I learned, I learned that that's not true. In fact, that's super detrimental and it's to act to, to resilience, to shut down your feelings. Um, but, um, yeah, I think other than that, other than, I mean, there's a lot of little, less small things. I, I would say this, I would, I, I've had some good partners over the years. Um, so it's not, that I would have done anything differently. It's just that there was some partners I've had that I wouldn't choose again. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but in those, I learned about standing up to someone that is a bully, or I learned to, say no when everyone else is saying yes. So no regrets there, just more of like, you know, pick, pick your people carefully. So. That's a good point. That kind of leads me in two different directions. Um, <laughs> how do you go about picking your people now? Well, they kind of come to us, you know, it's, it, through like attraction and serendipity and, um, you know, the clients that we have are amazing people, amazing people, um, doing great work. Um, our strategic partners just, I think we met one of our, our main, um, creative, creative designers. Um, I think he was, he worked at one of the co-working spaces that Emily was part of for a while in, in Scottsdale. Um, I met through a friend, um, one of our other strategic partners who is, handles a lot of our outbound marketing now. Um, that was a serendipitous meeting and they just show up, whether it's clients or partners or influencers, they just show up and mostly it's just about paying attention and then nurturing those relationships. Um, we don't, we don't, um, 
we don't do a lot of we don't do a lot of pitch marketing anyway like where we're like pitching like services and stuff we do we have a course out uh called how to brand yourself even if you don't want to and uh so we do promote that but it's more about people that maybe don't have access to that can't afford like a full-blown root session or brand strategy session so they have the courses and an alternate um way to access our ideas and work on their brand yeah, so that is a good segue. Um, I noticed in the last, um, I guess it's six months or so, you've been working on it for much longer than that, but you have shifted from, um, from an external point of view, uh, from seeming like this small, lovely, um, tight-knit, community brand builder to a more structured system mm -hmm. um and it, you're still small and lovely and all those wonderful things but um but you've you've put in structure you have this uh this course that you're talking about you have the book and you have regularity in your uh your blogs and your outbound and um tell me about what led you to that and um how long it took you and what that's looking like now. Yeah, so, you know, you need, soul is the most important part of your business. Soul and love and trust and all those kind of deep things. That's the most important part of, of, of your business, no matter what the situation is, um, actually. But you still need systems. And um, we, we see, we've seen a lot of businesses get that backwards where they build the systems and try to find their soul. And, mm -hmm. uh, we focused on finding our soul and our voice. And then we understood that in order to, um, we, 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 are, we, are, we, are, we are beginning like this evolution to the next iteration of Root & River, which is much more of an IP company or a thought leadership company. Obviously our bread and butter is still brand coaching, but with uh, the book coming out, with Rooting Up coming out, with uh, How to Brand Yourself coming out, with future courses and other things that we're working on, you know, in our super secret labs, um, those are all around, like, how do we reach the most people possible? Like, it, because our goal, our ultimate goal is we think that if a hundred thousand leaders learn intrinsic branding, it will transform society. And I believe that even more now in the midst of this crisis. Um, and so it's a matter of reach. Um, and, and so what, I don't like the word scale. I think it's a lazy word, ironically. Um, I think it's about reach. It's, I think it's about impact. I think it's about, um, if you're a mission-based brand, profitability is the result of something. Or as Ken Blanchard said, a profit is a job, applause for a job well done. Mm -hmm. So when you put, when you, when you lead with your soul and you have good systems around that, and then you go out to the marketplace as you truly are, they'll tell you, what they want. They'll tell you what it's, what they're willing to pay for it. They'll tell you if you listen. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, um, it's a, it's a very, but, the, but back to your question about systems, this is true for like our marketing systems that we've implemented in the last, really the last 90 days um, to um, our operational systems, uh, you know, who we partnered with from a, like a CPA standpoint, um, all of that is stuff that, so that we, that Emily and I can focus on what we do best. Mm -hmm. um, neither of us are in business to be in business. Like we look at the finances and we want to see the marketing structure for our business, but we're, that's not why we're in business to do that stuff. We're in business to create epic stuff, deliver awesome experiences for our clients and love on our team and our people. Mm -hmm. And you can't do it all. So systems allow you to delegate and move things from something one of our, our, our one of our main mentors, Bill, tells us is there's you have to know what to focus on and what to be aware of. And systems has allowed us to move things into the awareness circle um, so that we can focus on really what's most important. So now that you have those systems, what what do you have in place to make sure that as as you grow and you're reaching those 100,000 leaders that you are still true to your mission and the vision that you have for the for Root and River? Well, the mission is going to stay the same. 
Um, it's going to be, it is, it's from our very beginning, our, our mission is to inspire leaders to go inward. And it's really, if it has changed, it's just to inspire everyone to go inward, mm -hmm. to look for the answers, the inner knowing um, that's, that we all have if we just listen. Um, so I, um, I, I don't, that's not really shifting our root belief of, uh, we believe that all great brands are spiritual experiences. We're just changing the way we're teaching that idea mm -hmm. to some extent. Um, and there's something that will emerge from this crisis where it'll be transcendent of brand. And I'm sure that we're going to be a part of that discussion. I don't know what it's going to be called yet, but the era that you know we're witnessing or in the midst of witnessing of the the end of the the death of pretense in in marketing and branding where you you can't do that anymore so whatever is going to replace that we have laid the groundwork with our with our ideas with our processes with our 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 prove it on you know prove it in the crucible of a client's business we've laid the ground for for whatever's next and whatever the next new with whatever the new normal will be Yes, and it's absolutely beautiful. Um, you are perfectly positioned um, to extend and expand that mission and make a really big impact. It's, it's really wonderful. I have another shout out. This one is to Wimberly Films. This is a husband and wife team that loves the art of filmmaking. With over 20 years of experience capturing the magic of life and business, they transform moments and memories into tangible treasures. I've seen these folks in action and it's amazing. Their work is breathtaking. To see some of their work, look them up on Facebook or visit their website, wimberlyfilms.com. That's wimberlyfilms.com. Where do you find your inspiration on a daily basis? You are, um, you're, you're constantly posting and talking and inspired, it seems. Where do you go first? Well, I go quiet in the mornings. Um, I have about, usually about two hours of contemplative time. Um, that's a combination of reading, journaling, meditating, praying, um, so I get inspiration from that, from that. I get inspiration from nature. Um, just creation is inspiring. Um, I get inspiration from my like inner circle, whether that's uh, Lena, my home partner, or Emily, or Kat, Jen, um, my other friends, Maggie, um, my friend Phil. Like there's so many, I can name so many people that are inspirational to me. My sons are so inspirational to me. Um, both of them, you know, beautiful, whole, artistic men, and I admire them, and I get inspiration from seeing how they live their lives. Um, but a lot of a lot of inspiration for me is listening and being quiet, and that's hard for me. It's not my wiring. It's not my natural state to be quiet and still. But um, Jocko Willick says discipline equals freedom. I would say that stillness equals inspiration and to be quiet and just sit um, in the thisness of things. Um, and I don't, I don't want to be a creative. I don't want to write musings and I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I'd rather, my, there's a part of me that just wants to like do, I want to be a branding guy. But the other day someone asked me as I, as a new introduction before, you know, when we were still having in-person meetings <laughs> and, uh, and he said to me, so you're a brand, you're, you're a branding guy, huh? I said for the first time in 17 years, no, I'm not a branding guy. I know branding, but I'm a creative. And it's just that my art is language. And that was weird and scary, but true. And uh, so I find almost like that inspiration is its own inspiration. Mm -hmm. It begets the an ins type of inspiration. And my job is, it's like George Jones, the famous country singer, was asked, "How George, how'd you write all those songs? And he goes, I didn't. I just held the pen. Right. That's and there's an element of that, of being a conduit to a higher power or, or gnosis or wisdom or whatever you want to call this muse. thing that's, yeah, that's the muse that's not part of the physical plane. Um, and so that's all, for me, inspiration. 
I don't have stuff. I don't have the really the ability, even at almost 50 years old, to do things that are not inspiring. Mm -hmm. Like uh, there's some adulting that I do because I have to related to, you know, finances and, you know, pay bills and things like that. But I could do what we're doing all day. Oh, me too. Um, because this is creativity to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious why you say that you don't want to be a creative and because it doesn't match the story i told myself for years which is i'm you're not creative you're yeah. scrappy mm -hmm. and you're a good salesperson and you're good at bsing people um but my soul says yeah you are creative yes you are we're all creatives ultimately i mean that's the whole like creative mornings which i'm a huge fan of as that's their motto which is we're all creatives mm -hmm. and but i don't want to be uh, you know, and, and from an ego standpoint or from a, like a, uh, a thinker brain standpoint, mm -hmm. like I, I would, I would be much more comfortable as an expert in branding, like from an ego standpoint, mm -hmm. but that's not who, I mean, that's what I know, but it's not who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and people are surprised to find out. I don't even like marketing. I love branding. I love helping people come up with messaging, but part of outsourcing our marketing to someone who was, I don't like it. I don't like the that you know we're gonna go look at the KPIs on leads and click through. I don't, I don't, I don't care about that stuff. That's all stuff you I can we can delegate. <laughs> mm -hmm. I I get that one hundred percent. You know it's interesting. Um, I just realized uh, a couple of years ago that I would tell myself and tell other people all the time. No, I'm not really smart. I just work really hard, or right. I'm not an artist. I just love to surround myself with right. artists. Right. That is that story of the identity that you thought that you were, and then you come into the doing the work and and learning, and you go, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I am so much more and different and bigger than I allowed myself to be. Yeah, and I think most of us, a good chunk of Americans, especially um, older millennials and Gen Xers, we became what was necessary in order to fit in. Mm -hmm. it just became that and uh, because that was the social conditioning and unless you've either had a like an inciting incident like a spiritual awakening or an illness or you know a pandemic <laughs> uh, if you if you haven't had that then you hope that you have some truth tellers in your lives that can help you figure out who you are mm -hmm. uh, and um, this is you know like it's the inner journey to true identity what thomas moore refers to as the original self um what carl jung the psychotherapist called the true self that in that's why we want to inspire people to go inward is inside of you is who you truly are mm -hmm. and a lot of us especially if we're trauma survivors or we're de we've dealt with abandonment issues or emotional trauma and it creates this like hard rind or a shell around that original self, because that's how our psyche is designed. That's it, what our ego does. It, it's, it's something called internal family systems, and it's, a, a, it's parts therapy is also what it's called. It creates this rind around your being so that it protects you. But what happens though with people is they begin to identify with the rind and not the fruit. And so when that rind starts to go, that rind of like a marriage or the rind of like being a parent to, or being a business owner, or having a career, when that rind starts to die or change, it feels like your whole life is ending. But really what it's doing is falling away to reveal who you truly are. It's been in there the whole time. Um, but, you know, that's why, that's why in a crisis, if you've done that inner work, you're, there's not a lot of rind. There's just fruit. And that's what people need right now. I want to keep talking to you for hours and hours as we do from time to time. Um, but I think that's a beautiful and perfect place to, to stop this conversation. We'll have more face-to-face -face conversations when the world allows us to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we'll allow our audience to, to join in on a couple of them. Right. Um, but you have such a beautiful mind and a wonderful heart. And I'm so happy to know you. Uh, and to share that and help you share that and share your mission. Thank you. Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate your words. I believe you. <laughs> um, and I appreciate the, the conversation. Um, 
it's uh, our conversations are always uh, joyful and nourishing. And so to get it, you know, recorded for all of history is extra special. <laughs> I guess, is there anything else that you would want to say? I mean, when it's all said and done, I would say this, and this is true across the board of life. And this has got nothing to do with branding or being an entrepreneur, not directly. And that is this, that life boils down to courage and execution. So what do you need to do that you're avoiding and what needs to be done? And then just do it. Um, whatever you avoid, like I said, you can't, you can't brand from a defensive posture. You can't live from a defensive posture. And, you know, I plead with people, don't play small. Um, don't play small. Don't put your career above your mission. Don't, um, don't fall in love with your expertise. Um, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't be afraid to change. Um, and I'll end with my, one of my favorite quotes of all time from John Eldridge, who wrote Wild at Heart. He said, make, let the world feel the weight of who you truly are and let them figure it out. Mm. And that's my kind of final like counsel to anyone. It's like, you got to let the world feel who you are. They'll, they'll figure it out or they won't. But at least it's you. Mm-hmm. And you'll be bearing your fruit. You'll be out there. Yep. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for this. It was super fun. It was. It was. It's always fun. I feel like I always learn so much and want to capture every bit of it. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it again. Yeah, we'll continue. All right. Thanks, friend. Thank you so much. Hey, so what did you think of MVP Business? If you liked it, please subscribe and tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. If you didn't like it, don't just leave. Let me know what I can do to improve, who you'd like to hear from, and what you'd like to learn. The mission of MVP Business is to share the strengths and struggles of leaders who have successfully grown their businesses while staying true to their mission and vision so that other entrepreneurs can follow, knowing that the path isn't easy but the journey's worth it. If you believe in this mission, please help by living it and sharing it. In the meantime, enjoy the day and live with passion.